it's like the men in black little thing that they hold up and they go pay attention to the light and it flashes and we're starting over. Um, we don't have the luxury of doing that. And then, you know, ignoring that we're flawed. I think embracing the fact that we are flawed and trying to figure out how to change it is more important, but people just expect there to be this magic button where we just say, all right, all of these things pre this date were bad and we're going to start fresh right now. Okay. What are you going to do moving forward though? Just because we tear down a statue and rename a city doesn't change what's going on in the city itself. Right? So all of a sudden we're not named after a tyrant. Okay, cool. What are we going to do about all the division in the city? Not just amongst black and white, but with different um, ethnic groups, whether they be white whether they be brown, whether they be, you know, what are we going to do about that? Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials, tell all your friends about the show, and make sure to check out the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast and Crusher Cast on the CEP Network. The network is growing, and we need your help to share it all around. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about petitions being signed to change the names of cities. We share our thoughts on what athletes we think could have a docuseries made about their life and career, and we go over some of Joel Schumacher's catalog of movies. There is a small disclaimer with this episode. We did have a few technical issues at the beginning of the show, so what you're going to hear is just us jumping straight into conversation. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, don't hesitate to reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you'd like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Did you see the video of the the guy trying to get into a Walmart and the Walmart employee was just basically like tackling him to keep him out because he wouldn't he didn't have a mask he wouldn't put a mask on and I guess I guess you have to wear a mask in Walmart didn't you say you've been to a Walmart and that must be that must on? be a county by county thing or a state by state yeah I mean I don't know what, I didn't pay attention to where it was but it was a funny video because it was an older older gentleman and then a younger. Maybe it was a guy, not being honest. I don't know. And not because it was, it wasn't obvious. I just, I wasn't watching it that closely, but yeah, and it was, the guy just wouldn't let him in and was tackling him. And the guy fell down and the guy went to go throw a punch at him. And then finally the guy was just like, fine, go, we're going to call the police. And the guy just walks in. He really needed his, whatever you get it socks, like socks like you, I guess from Walmart. I don't know. Was this like a security guard? It's just a Walmart employee. Just an employee, huh? That's. I mean, no, no disrespect, but don't they make less than a minimum wage? Pretty sure that's not what they get paid to do. Hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I guess if if it's like a state or whatever county they're in or whatever, if that is the law at this time, I I see. You know, you need you need to do it. But if uh, if that guy that was trying to enter did have COVID, this employee probably has it now too. If he was rolling around with him and tackling him and 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's if it. it's even transmitted that way. <laughs> you, you don't. You don't think anything came out of his face while he's being tackled? No. That could have landed on the guy. No. What do you mean came out of his face? Isn't that how it transmits? Like through your spit and out of your nose and orifices in your face? Orifices in your... No, I, I'm pretty sure no. It doesn't come from orifices in your face. Yes, it does. That's how it transmits. That's why you wear saliva, a mask. Saliva, sure. <laughs> that yeah, comes out of an not, orifice in your face. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're, it does. You're saying one thing and you want it to mean another. No, I'm not. I don't think. He's not uh, He's not pussing on the guy. He's not the toxic <laughs> Avenger. <laughs> Look, man, if it were me, if they would have said, where's your mask? I'd have been like, I don't have one. They, You got to go. I'd have been like, you're right. Why am I at Walmart anyway? Now, that would have been my response. But I wonder why. Was, I wonder why Walmart doesn't hand those out. <sighs> Again, I don't know. You don't know all of Walmart's policies? I don't, but there's not a good reason to go to Walmart anyway. <laughs> typically. So the guy was just being a twerp. He didn't want to put a mask on. He didn't he thought he was above the rules or whatever. Like you said, that county, that city. Who knows? I'm exhausted of it, man. Like I said, it's not that important to me. So if you tell me wear a mask, I will. But I have avoided getting my hair cut because I just I, I can't go get my hair cut with a mask on. There, there are just some there are just some things uh, that are going to make me draw the line. And that's where I do it. So I'm just I'm just so I'm I, letting it grow. I've gotten two haircuts since all this started. My first haircut, I did have to wear a mask and it was weird. The second time I took my mask with me inside and they told me I didn't have to wear it if I didn't want to. And then but. They still, like, they can't do anything with beards yet. It's only hair. And you have to take your own cape off. And any towels that are used, like if they wash your hair or anything like that, you have to be the one that uses that takes the towel off your face or off your neck or whatever and put it away. Uh, we're in a bad, it's a bad movie. And it's just not, it's not worth it to you to get a haircut? It's a horrible movie. Um, no, I, it's just weird. I, you know, didn't you tell me you, know. you used to go like once a week? Yeah, week and a half. Yeah, dude, it's been three and a half months or something like that. I don't know. Would you wear a What's mullet? What's this? Huh? Would you wear a mullet? I've actually had a mullet before, but On it was an ironic head. mullet. It wasn't a, uh, you know, <laughs> I grew up in a trailer mullet. It was like, uh, hey, I'm fashionable. Check me out. Um, yeah. Rocked a mullet at one point when, in time. And at, then I, at what point in time was a mullet considered fashionable? Or was that the statement? Is that it's not? No, I mean, this was early, early to mid-2000s, I guess. So, <laughs> Are you not going to answer my question? <laughs> what's the question? When, when was a mullet fashionable? I just told you the early and mid two thousand. So that's when it was fashionable. Okay. Sure. I mean, if it was, I'd okay. be at the end of the day. I mean, um, so I had that, and then I cut. 
I cut the top short and then cut the mullet into a rat tail. So I had like a faux hawk rat tail thing going on. It was interesting. Um, yeah. Was there a reason for this? Or just because? That's the shithead lead singer of a band, and I thought I was cool. I don't know. Hmm. What do you think about, many what do you think about it now? Like looking back on it? Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. That's, I don't think about it either way. Um, I'm sure some people thought I was a douchebag. What? Not much has changed anyway. So, <laughs> and I don't have a mullet now. So, what are you gonna? That just shows that it was not the haircut. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing, I guess, right? That it wasn't. That they still think you're a douche. So that means that it wasn't just the haircut. No, I, I was trying. Never mind. You just called me a douche. <laughs> I said they say you're a douche. Now you say they, but you just meant you. What's this story you're, you were telling me about? All right. Are you ready for this? You said this is up my alley. I feel like you because, don't know be, what up my alley because, is. Because but. it's about Ohio. Okay. So that's up your alley. The got state in general. Uh -huh. Got my Cleveland shirt okay, on. Well, it's, it's a little down the road from Cleveland. I'm, I'm sure. Go ahead. I don't, know the What's I don't know all the coordinates of Ohio, so I don't know exactly what direction. But All right. Listen to this. A petition calls for Columbus, Ohio to be called Flavortown. Go on. The petition, started by Tyler Woodbridge, comes amid backlash to the city's public statues of Christopher Columbus. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Across the country, other statues of Christopher, Christopher Columbus have been torn down, defaced, or removed in response to growing criticism over Columbus's legacy in the Americas. Woodbridge proposed Flavortown as a replacement, he says, for two reasons. For one, it honors Central Ohio's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads and one of the nation's largest test markets for the food industry. Secondly, Chef Lebrity, that's a terrible attempt. Guy Fieri was born in Columbus, so naming the city in honor of him would be superior to its current nomenclature. So they want to name a town, Flavortown, after Guy Fieri. Okay. Do you agree with this? Uh, no, I sure don't. Well, there are... Not, not, not there, even, there not even are the slightest. There are over 25,000 people who disagree with you. Too bad Columbus is a big city, big-ish, and that's going to take a lot more than 25,000 people to change the name. Same. Um but it could happen here in St. Louis. I mean, you know, I was going to say today we're lucky. I'm lucky to be doing the show from St. Louis because there's a petition to uh, tear down the uh, the statue in Forest Park of King Louis or Louis, however you want to say it, and change the name of our, our city. We're, we're canceling 1200s era France here now, apparently. <laughs> So we're just gonna rewrite all of history, huh? Do you we're think, just gonna. Do you think? Do you think somehow the arch has ties to slavery or to anything like a bad past? That they're gonna tear the arch down to. Who did you did you read this somewhere? No, I just made that did up. Did someone give you this impression? <laughs> no, I just made that up. Okay. I just figured. Let's not it, go there. It, <laughs> 
Were you worried for a second? <laughs> Let's not even throw that energy out into the universe. It's not that I care so much about the arch. It's it's again, what are we what are we doing? What's the population of Columbus? Let's find out. So you're saying twenty five thousand why don't we just call it Buckeye, Ohio? Since it's the home of Ohio State. And that's what the city was sort of built upon anyway. Population of nearly a million. Have you ever been to Columbus? Yeah. Columbus is badass. Now, I don't have anything against Guy Fieri. I've been to one of his restaurants in Vegas. It was okay. However, we're not naming the city after you, bro. You just need to forget about that. I wonder how many... Uh, how many so I guess you have to, like any other petition, I guess you have to like have a certain, you have to reach a certain amount of signatures and then that still has to go up higher and approved and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I would assume so. I don't think it's as easy as saying, all right, the people have spoken. Now we're going to change the name. I mean, I don't really have another, I don't have an argument against this other than why are we trying to rewrite history everywhere? At all points, though, you know, all 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 statues must be taken down. Well, all city names must be changed again. Why? Why can't we acknowledge the fact that we were flawed as human beings at one point in time? But I don't know. I, I guess the opposition to that would be that we're not really trying to rewrite history. They're just trying to cancel anything now that represents bad history. Right. I mean, we're essentially just trying to take chunks of history and get rid of them. But but is that a symbol of, like you say, why can't we just accept that we were bad people at one point, or we had bad morals and ethics at one point, and we've gotten better, but people who are trying to take these statues down and stuff are looking at it as, we haven't gotten better, that's why this is going on right now. Yeah, I'm not saying that we're not flawed anymore. I'm not saying that everything's perfect. Right. However, these statues can be a moment to educate people as to what our flaws were and how we can improve upon them. Right. I don't necessarily think taking down a statue does that. Who? Where, where did you read this story about Columbus? What was the news outlet? Uh, I want to say it was Fox News. Shocking. Well, so have you seen the explanation about renaming St. Louis? I have heard about the people wanting to do that, but I haven't. Um, I also heard that even if that doesn't happen, that people are wanting to change the name of streets and stuff. Wow. Um, to many people of Jewish heritage, King Louis or Louis is known as someone who persecuted the Jewish people of France, confiscated and burned the Talmud. And 665 years before Adolf Hitler became chancellor of Germany and required Jewish people to wear an identification badge in public. Here's the thing. Most kings were horrible people. Absolutely. They were tyrants for a reason. Absolutely. They were tyrants for a fucking reason. They did terrible things to people. So are we going to change? Uh, again, are we just going to write off that moment in history and say, well, because of them, 
what I guess my question would be if we change the name St. Louis to something else, what do we change it to? And what's the reason? You know, everyone has there's always some there's always some form of controversy, there's some form of negative. Everyone has skeletons in their closet, everyone's not perfect, you know. This is just a stretch to me. We're gonna rename the town. And I think tearing down the statue is a stretch. Again, this this he was king in the twelve hundreds. Right. Right. Yeah, now St. Louis became sort of St. Louis because of some fur traders that eventually landed upon here. And who knows how corrupt those guys were. We weren't there. I'm sure they did some bad shit, too. But, you know, English and French settlers and all these people, it's, again, a moment in history that shaped the places we live in into what they are today, you know? Um, I think St. Louis has far bigger problems than its name. Yes. You know, Um, not to mention it's only four hours, um, four hours south of Chicago where 104 people were shot over the weekend. 104. The same form of violence or the same, the same form of uh crime is happening here in this city but we're worried about its fucking name and we're worried about a couple of fucking fur traders that came here give me a fucking break what are we even doing people aren't killing each other in st louis because the name of the city is st louis people aren't killing each other because the city was named after a french king it's not what's going on and so again what I'm just saying, do we have bigger fish to fry here or not? Let me know, because it feels like there should be. I mean, I would think, but even if you think of the name St. Louis, I don't know that I've ever, and this might be bad on my part, but I don't know that I've ever thought of the actual St. Louis when I've thought of the name of our city. Do you, do you, does that, is that the first thing that comes to your mind? Is the actual saint when you hear the city name? Well, no, I mean, it's not necessarily a saint. It's a king, Well, right? But you know what what I'm saying. No, I get it. I get it. Um, No, I mean, no, not necessarily. Now, I was taught that when I was a kid because I lived here. I live here. But no, I mean, and I don't think most people do. But, you know, if you used your brain, you would know that we weren't named after a fucking trumpet player or something. We were named after, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it goes back, you know. But, you know, this this king, his time as a king was during the Seventh Crusade. He's one of the more popular kings in French history from the stuff that I've read about him and stuff. But again, and as you said, he was canonized as a saint by the Catholic Church. We don't even we I won't even go there about the Catholic church and, 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 but we, you don't have all night and neither do I, but again, the city has its history for a reason. And we're just going to try to wipe that out. Now, look, if everything was great here, I would say, all right, we, we've, we have figured it out as a, as a city. We figured it out as a community. Everything's great. Everything's sunshine and rainbows. Let's go ahead and change the name. That's not the case. I just think we have bigger things to worry about and better things to worry about. But that's not 
the way things are going now. You know, I, I you know when the Columbus statue was taken down in Tower Grove Park last week, I didn't have I didn't have an issue. And I, you know what? I don't even necessarily have an issue with the statue in Art Hill being taken down of the king. But what is going to be the reason why? Because of the way he treated Jews in the 1200s? Or because we haven't figured it out yet? I don't think we've figured it out yet. You know, and this is coming from one historian that just so happens to live here and work for WashU. He's making all of these claims about how the king treated Jewish people and this and that. Does every historian see it that way? Is every historian going to go back and say, yes, that's exactly the way it happened? He was a bad guy. Probably not. You know, there are conflicting stories. There are conflicting stories about these things all the time. So, so kind of, I don't so, know, man. So kind of, I, I, we live in a place where we just have, we have better things to worry about. But Yeah, so I guess maybe kind of going back to what you said earlier as far, I, you know, I, you said rewrite. And I guess technically maybe that is what people are trying to do. Like they're, they're trying to take anything that resembles anything that was bad in the past and, and, you know, to where we don't have memorials to it. And maybe that, maybe that's what people want. Maybe they want to make now the new history, if that makes any sense. So history starts now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's not a re that's not real life. That's not the way that's not the way it works. Um, <laughs> Again, I, you know, I don't, you could debate these things all day. I mean, you could take different figures from history and say, yes, we need to remove, you know, I've seen stories of, you know, statues of George Washington being taken down, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, look, I get it. I get it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is we a lot of these people throughout our history, the reason we're even here is because of the things they accomplished and they achieved throughout history. It doesn't mean they were perfect people. Again, we're flawed as a society. So to kind of, again, like we just said, history starts now. It's like, you know, it's like the men in black little thing that they hold up and they go, pay attention to the light and it flashes and we're starting over. Um, we don't have the luxury of doing that and then, you know, ignoring that we're flawed. I think embracing the fact that we are flawed and trying to figure out how to change it is more important. But people just expect there to be this magic button where we just say, all right, all of these things pre this date were bad and we're going to start fresh right now. Okay. What are you going to do moving forward, though? Just because we tear down a statue and rename a city doesn't change what's going on in the city itself, right? So all of a sudden, we're not named after a tyrant. Okay, cool. What are we going to do about all the division in the city? Not just amongst black and white, but with different um, ethnic groups, whether they be white, whether they be brown, whether they be, you know, what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? Changing the name doesn't doesn't change the fact that if you move here, if you come here from a different city, 
and you were not born an American or you were not born an American, it's very likely someone's going to tell you to find out where everyone else like you lives and they're going to tell you to move there and stick to your own. You know, if you're Armenian, if you're Bosnian, if you are Croatian, there are all these little subset of communities within St. Louis where these people live and they don't often leave their own. They don't, you know, um, which I think is a problem, you know? Right. But I'm just one person in a population of many that wouldn't care if an Armenian family moved next door to him, that wouldn't right. care if a Bosnian family or a Jamaican family or a fucking Dominican family, it wouldn't matter to me. I would say, yes, let's, let's, let's keep it diverse. Let's, let's, the more the merrier, right? You know, I just moved from a historically Irish neighborhood. You know, I lived in Dogtown. Um, people had a lot of pride about that and I, I get it. I thought it was cool, but at the same time, you didn't see a lot of, uh, you didn't see a lot of diversity when it came to the families that were moving into the neighborhood. Um, at least I didn't in the, the, the few years that I lived there and we went, you know, I went to, to there to move when I moved there, I moved from I moved from a neighborhood where I was one of the very few white families on the on the block. Oh, really? You know, most of most of my neighbors were Hispanic of some of some kind. Um, most of my neighbors were minorities. Let's put it that way. Um, my wife and I were one of probably four or five houses on our street that were Caucasian. Again, didn't bother us. Didn't 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 play a part in us necessarily leaving there. Um, we lived there for many years. Never had an issue. But again, I consider us to be outliers. I don't think everyone's like us. And that's where I think the real questions need to start being raised and answered. Not the fucking name, right? You know. What is but, do you, Dogtown itself? Do you know where that name came from? Or like what it actually like does it mean something? Let me give you the actual definition. I don't want to speak out of turn and then someone from Dogtown hears this that's been living there 30 years and they find <laughs> out where I live now and they kill me because it will happen. <laughs> I know a, what that I That was an elaborate story you just gave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I it, it will happen. People have a lot of pride that live there and, and as well they should, you know. Um I really enjoyed living there, you know. I as in Someone who was raised to sort of be have a lot of a certain amount of pride about being Irish and this and that. It was a cool place to live. So Dogtown got its name as a small mining community in the mid 1800s. There was a concentration of small clay and coal mines in the area during that time. And the term Dogtown was widely used in the 1800s by miners to describe a group of small shelters around mines. Although some erroneously think Dogtown was named during the 1904 World's Fair, it actually got its name long before then. Um, an article published on August 14, 1889 in the Missouri Republican is the earliest known reference to Dogtown in St. Louis. The 1889 newspaper article describes a lost five-year-old boy who lived in the classic precincts of Dogtown. 
the term dog appears in official mining terminology. So dog holes, dog house, dog towns, dog mines. And it's quite easy to find places all over the U.S. that were called Dogtown, whose whole existence was due to mining. So there you go. Huh. Um, I am glad that I did not screw that up. Um, Dogtown is a traditionally Irish section of St. Louis, Missouri. It is located south of Forest Park with its southeastern edge abutting the traditionally Italian section of town, the hill. So there you go. Yeah. And that was one thing I always told people um, when I go out of town, when I, you know, be talking to someone else that doesn't live in St. Louis, they would always ask me about it. What's its biggest flaw? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And I would always talk about how, man, it's such a melting pot, I feel. But everyone sticks to their own, you know. And I talked about living in Dogtown, being right by the hill, Loving the cultural aspects of both of those things, being really close to Soulard and things like that. But again, you know, these these little pockets of people would stick to their own. And I just thought, man, you know, if you're not if you're not from here, you wouldn't know it is a melting pot because of that, you know. Um, and then people who I've spoken with that live somewhere else but have visited here, they were like, yeah, there seems like there's a lot of racial tensions and i'm like yeah a little bit a little bit they they get that just from visiting yeah and they could have just been saying that to appease me and just make the conversation last a little bit longer i don't know but you know i mean st louis is sort of known for you know they don't have the best history when it comes to this you know the great white flight of the 1950s and everyone moving out west because you know uh I'll think for lack of a better way of saying it, because black people started moving to the neighborhoods. So all the white people left the city and moved to places like St. Charles and Chesterfield and things like that. I mean, this is this is documented. This isn't like me speculating or this isn't a conspiracy theory of mine. This is well known about the city. Um, So, I mean, again, I just think we have better things to worry about than (laughs) right now changing. That's what I keep going back to. Have you ever seen um? Do you know what Spanish Lake is? I've heard of it. The so the actual county Spanish Lake in St. Louis. It's in north. It's in North St. Louis, North County. There was a really good. So I'm taking your silence as a no. There was a really <laughs> good. There is a really good documentary. Um, it was on Netflix, but I haven't seen it on Netflix in a long time. But it's about Spanish Lake, and it's about people sort of being forced to move from Spanish Lake, whether it be their um, economic status, the color of their skin. It is a really good documentary and it really breaks down just exactly how that happened in this, just forget about the St. Louis as a whole, but just this little County um, in St. Louis. It's a really interesting um, documentary and it, it does not shine a great light on St. Louis by any means, but Let me give you a little synopsis. The documentary chronicles the area of Spanish Lake, Missouri, and its transformation from a 1950s white suburb to a mostly black population through a process known as white flight. Um, The themes of the film parallel America's growing political divide, underlying racism, and the rise of anti-government sentiment. Um, So again, doesn't shine the best light on St. Louis, but it's an important it's an important film to see because it really documents that well, and you get to hear from not only the people that left there, but the people that moved there, and then the people that refused to move because they wanted to stay there, and they didn't so much hate the fact that 
oh, by the way, black people are moving to the neighborhood, so now we're just going to leave. They actually stayed. Um, so you get those three sort of perspectives, and it's really, really good. It's really interesting. Huh. Um, so, I, yeah, again, I, don't, I haven't seen one on Netflix in years. Um, that's where I originally saw it. It came out in 2014. So actually, was that before Mike Brown? I think it was right before. Or right before Ferguson? I yeah. Think, I think so. Oh, wow. So after strong ticket sales in St. Louis, the film received a limited release in Los Angeles and Dallas. Further theatrical expansion was halted in St. Louis in August 2014 after the shooting of Mike Brown in Ferguson. Due, due to racial tensions in the city, Warrenburg Theaters pulled the film from its planned release on September 5th. The suppression of the film led to national media coverage, including an article by Deadline Hollywood. Spanish Lake was released to video on demand on October 21st, 2014 to critical acclaim. So the release was supposed to happen right after the Mike Brown situation happened. Yeah, essentially. Wow. wow. Look at the coincidental timing there, don't you think? Yeah. Hey, speaking of documentaries, I started Be Water today. And? I'm about 45 minutes into it or so, probably. So I got about an hour left. What are your thoughts? I like it. I mean, I, it. I've never been as big of a fan. At, not not that I haven't been as big of a fan, but I didn't know. I don't really know much of his backstory or anything like that. I just know him from. So all this stuff is new to you. Yeah, for the most part. Did you know he was a child actor? No, I didn't. See, that's the thing that I think. I think that documentary was for someone like you that didn't already know these things about Bruce Lee. Right. You know his name. You know. You know about the martial arts, right? Um, but other than that. I think it's I think it's I think you're the target targeted demo for for the documentary because you're going to go, oh, wow, I didn't know this about him. And you're going to get interested that way. If someone like me that knew a little bit more of his backstory, you're kind of like, well, God, when are we going to get to the the good stuff like the stuff that I like my conspiracy theories and all this stuff? Um, but that's cool. So you, you like it. Yeah, it it gets better. I would say you said you're 40 minutes in somewhere around there. Yeah, it gets it gets better. And I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, actually, I'll let you finish it, and then we can revisit it. Did you watch Long Gone Summer yet? I haven't yet. That's my next one to go to. So I mean, again, it was cool. Like I enjoyed the nostalgia of kind of reliving those moments, but it was all stuff. I mean, there wasn't anything new. Really? Fine. Nah, nah. Um, they didn't spend much time on the steroids, which I kind of appreciated. Actually, they spent more time talking about how how uncomfortable Mark McGuire was with all of the attention. And if there hadn't been someone like Sammy Sosa there with that personality, he probably would have been miserable, just like Roger Maris was in 1961 when he was chasing Babe Ruth's record. So I thought the fact that they spent more time on that, less about the goddamn steroids and the controversy around that, which at the end of the day, they're baseball players. Let them all fucking do it. At, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but just let them all do it. I mean, they could they hit baseballs and they throw baseballs for a living. You know what I mean? Even out the playing field, just let everyone do it. Anyway, that's a that's an old debate. Um, so I appreciated the fact that they spent more time on that. And and I'll be honest, like Mark McGuire, I've never been. So here's the thing: like, I've never been a fan, right? I appreciated him coming here, and I appreciated him doing that, not just for St. Louis, but for baseball. 
But I always thought the way that he left and the way that he kind of just sort of silently drifted away after the steroid stuff, I was always kind of like, man, to me, that's an admission of of guilt even before he admitted to doing steroids. It just it, it always felt weird to me. Now, I didn't harshly criticize or judge him for it. I just always had a bad feeling about it. But look, I, I was my opinion didn't matter because the city of St. Louis loved him, you know, and I think still does. But I think he opens up pretty well during this documentary, which again, I appreciate, you know, Sammy, Sammy was Sammy. Sammy Sosa is just a ball of personality. I mean, he's, so he was the same, you know, but I, I thought it was cool that they focused on that and not bullshit. I think, but I think that's the, the cool thing about a lot of these 30 for 30 documentaries. They're made to sort of draw you in, but not in a negative way. Right. You know, I think some of them, you know, like the Lance Armstrong one focused on him cheating. And it, it, obviously it's a big focus. I mean, he's the most accomplished person in his sport ever. Right. So you're going to, you're going to have to talk about that. Well, look, man, well, how do we, what do we do if Mark McGuire still has that record and Barry Bonds doesn't break it a few years later? You know, what if he's still the record holder? I think we treat this entire thing differently. Really? You know? Well, if you think about it, if he's still the record holder and Barry Bonds doesn't do it, you know, and but the again, the focus has has, so, has shifted so much from those guys breaking records to the steroids and the controversy and will they get into the Hall of Fame? And here are the reasons they shouldn't. They broke the rules and this and that. Um, I just think about what if a what if Barry Bonds never breaks the record? B, what if Mark McGuire never admits to doing steroids? And C, no one really questions it. How do we how do we view that period of time? I just feel it's all been skewed by the steroids. You know, I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, Mark McGuire did steroids. I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, for me, it didn't, sh- it doesn't shine a bad light on him or the record or, um, or Barry Bonds and him breaking McGuire's record and Sosa hitting all those home runs. Dude, it was fun. And, and look, cheating is has always been a part of baseball and these people who talk about the purity of the game eat a dick for real (laughs) what 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 purity are you talking about you mean the purity of a game that didn't allow african-americans and people of color to play for the longest time and that's why babe ruth's fat ass had a record anyway (laughs) come on let's stop what let's let's stop um do you do you think there's any sport that uh, well, I guess maybe you could do it with like Lance Armstrong or something like that. They could put out a docu series like what Michael Jordan just did, like a ten part docu series that goes that in depth. Like, you think anybody outside of like Lance Armstrong? Do you think there's anybody that you could put a long documentary out about? Yeah, I think Kobe for sure, LeBron for sure. LeBron's gonna get one something similar. You think someday? Oh yeah, man. The dude was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was fifteen or sixteen or whatever, man. Like the, the, right, but, the how, but how much real, how much real story is is there? I guess like you're not gonna have, uh, I guess the you're gonna have some nostalgia nostalgia, but it's not like it was back with with Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- those games aren't as you know those game winning goals and things like that weren't you know, instilled in you as much as 
what Michael did back then in the Bulls. Because, well, and the reason why is because, like, in that docuseries, it wasn't just about Michael Jordan. It was about everybody surrounding him, too. So, sure. So, I guess, well, I so the, you'd have to have the same thing with anybody else, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's what made that one interesting, The Last Dance interesting. Yeah. They talked about Rodman. They talked about Pippen. They talked about Phil Jackson. You know, no, I think the same thing happens with LeBron. You got to think about this, too, man. There's never been a more under the microscope, harshly criticized, harshly ridiculed star athlete that I can think of since LeBron entered the NBA. Michael Jordan played in the NBA and he wasn't under the scrutiny that came with social media and that came with the internet. He was before that time. Yeah. LeBron has been the one. So it's just, a, we're, we're, I mean, we're just, I, I, again, I go back to when we talk, who's the GOAT? Like, who's the greatest of all time? I don't think we're talking about the same things. We're not talking about the same kind of player. We're not talking about the same era. We're not talking about anything that's the same to me. The game of basketball, the idea of the game of basketball is the same. I think that's about it. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, I think LeBron could have played in that era and thrived. Jordan could come play right now and thrive. You know, I just think we're talking about two different players. And I, at the end of the day, say there's not going to be another Jordan, but I don't think there's going to be another LeBron either. I don't know why we have to, like, say one's better than the other. I think they're both important for multiple reasons, both of them. And when it comes to the history of not just basketball, but sports. And so, um, so back to your question, I think Kobe could, and I, and, you know, not to take away from anything that Kobe's done and not to even bring up old controversy surrounding Kobe, but Kobe's been, he went through a lot of shit. And the fact that the way that he died, uh, the, the fact that he died the way that he died, absolutely. You could do one on Kobe, uh, LeBron, who else? Let me think. Um, I mean, when we're talking about other sports, let me think. Did you have someone in mind? Is that why you asked? I didn't. I was just thinking, like, Maguire and Sosa. Could you? Could either one of them, could you make a full docuseries out of that? I don't know if you could. A 30 for 30 is probably about as good as you're going to get for something like that. Yeah, I would say I would say that. I think you could do... Maybe Tiger. Yeah, no. I think maybe Tiger. I would say Tiger. Mike Tyson could yeah. probably. Um, did you see Jamie Foxx is going to play him? I did. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped for it. And apparently the pictures that he's taken that have been leaked, or well, been given to everybody, is... Swole. It's swole. He's swole, but he still Dude. has a plan to gain another like 30 pounds. Well, let me just say this. Um... I'm pumped for that. I am a Mike Tyson fan. I am a huge boxing fan, as you know. There already has been a Tyson movie. And I mean, no disrespect to Michael Jai White, because I'm a Michael Jai White fan. That's who played him. That movie's a hunk of shit. <laughs> it did not do it did not do his story any justice. It just what it I watched it and I was entertained by it because I love Mike Tyson and I love boxing, but it could have been done so and it, and it, I, I felt it was a little bit soon. Like, I feel like right now is the best time. Like, but Tiger, Mike Tyson, look, Muhammad Ali, you, you could name a number of boxers yeah, you could true. do it for. Um, as much as I dislike him as a person, you could probably do one on Floyd. They're just the his family history in boxing and just his the stuff he accomplished. Honestly, you'd probably do one on Manny Pacquiao. I mean, that guy's yeah. 
Jesus in the Philippines, you know? I mean, um, and sorry to offend anyone if that does, but he's Jesus in the Philippines. You're, you're a big, you're a soccer fan too. Is there anybody in soccer that, that you could do that with? Pele? Maybe. Um, I, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, you could, there are a couple of guys, I mean, Messi, Ronaldo now, but Pele is the most, I mean, obvious one because he's the most famous and just most accomplished player of all time. I was thinking about that before you said that. I was thinking about baseball specifically and soccer and football even. I mean, football, Tom Brady. I but uh, but But is there enough going, of a, is there enough of a backstory? He's a boring dude. I would be bored <laughs> out of my mind. But there's some people that would want to see that bullshit. Um I would say Jim Brown, you probably could. Um because of not only how fucking great he was, but what he tried to accomplish off the field as a, you know, an activist and things like that. So I think Jim Brown, um, I'm trying to think of baseball. Like I always go back. So like, I remember when I started watching, when I started watching the last dance, I, I talked about how it would have been interesting to see some other athletes be sort of followed in their career, be documented like that. And I brought up, you know, and for someone who stands for so much in their sport, I brought up Jackie Robinson because he just, he entered a, you know, and a lot of people who are baseball historians or have followed that whole thing will tell you that Jackie Robinson wasn't the best player to come from the Negro leagues and wasn't like the best representation of talent to break the color barrier in baseball. He just happened to be the guy. Now I get that, but it's still him having to be that guy, you know, and then they made the movie. I thought the movie, did you see that movie? 42? It was okay. Uh I didn't, it's all right. I, I thought it was cool that it was made. And I, again, as a sports fan and a huge baseball fan, I liked it, but it wasn't like, it didn't knock my socks off by any means, but I think his story, just him being the guy and having to do it, maybe you could do it. I mean, Babe Ruth, how many movies has he made about him? You know, you could probably do it. Um, I don't know. But Jordan's the most popular athlete of all time, right? Any sport, right? It's got to be. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying. I'm trying. I can't. Be. I think. I can't think of a baseball player. Um, can't really think of a football player either that would have that had that big of a name. Yeah, I guess. Maybe, maybe, say, maybe Ali. I mean, for sure, Muhammad, for sure. But again, when we're talking about different sport, different eras, and Muhammad Ali represents so much more off the field yeah. or out of the ring. Yeah. Whereas Michael Jordan, all things considered, he's just known as this fucking savage on the basketball court. Right. And just sort of changed pop culture and changed, you know, but you're right. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, Jordan, Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, Tiger Woods story again, I mean, you of all the people we've said, I would probably say Tiger Woods over everyone else. Even, even probably even over LeBron, again because he entered a sport where he, not necessarily welcome. The way he did it and the way he just took the sport by storm, and then all of the controversy that followed. Obviously, you got a huge story to tell there. I wish there was someone in baseball that, but yeah, I mean, the the one the 
the one that comes to mind always is Jackie Robinson for me. I think, well, look, Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, there are guys that you could do it on. Again, I don't know how interested people would be, but those are all people that if you don't know who they are, you should definitely educate yourself. Did you ever see the movie uh, uh, 61? No. So it's about – it's actually a very underrated sports movie, especially baseball movie, but it's about – Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris trying to break Babe Ruth's record. And it's, you know, when Maris breaks the record, it's just about all the stress he endured. And he, like McGuire, wasn't necessarily a a camera-friendly guy. He wasn't a a friend to the media. Um, And he, you know, was losing his hair because of all the pressure and all the, you know, really cool movie that documented that. So I would definitely recommend seeing it. It's It's a cool movie. It's a fun movie. So when you say stress they endured, you mean media in general? Yeah, just a well, look, I mean, he was a Yankee and he's breaking. I mean, everything that Babe Ruth did to those fans was considered sacred. So and the only person at that time that they would have accepted breaking a Babe Ruth record was Mickey Mantle. You know, Roger Maris was considered an outsider like, because he didn't have the personality that Mickey Mantle had. And he was this quiet guy. He was, came from, you know, Oklahoma, I want to say. I know he lived in Kansas City, but um so he just wasn't a liked guy in New York necessarily, not not near as much as Mickey Mantle. So there was that added pressure of you know he was getting death threats, all that good stuff. So that's that's so insane. <sighs> Yankee fans are serious, man. They're passionate. It's true. It's what makes them the Yankees. That's why they have so many titles, and that's why everyone hates them. You know, more you win, the more you're hated. Who do you think is the I guess you'd have to do MMA in general. You couldn't do just UFC. But who do you think is the besides Connor? Who do you think is the biggest name in MMA ever? Ever that in, that anybody everybody's gonna know the name household name. How old are the people we're talking about? Well, I mean, we just went all the way back to Mickey Mantle. So yeah. I mean, I well, I, I think that I think probably the the farther back you go, the harder it is for people to have a household name as far as an MMA fighter now, don't you think? I would definitely, if we're talking about pioneer of the sport, I'm I'm saying Hoist Gracie. You okay, know, it's tough. So I would say there. I don't know. When it comes to importance, I would say Hoist Gracie because he's a pioneer. But then beyond that, when we're trying to get sort of more current day, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, I still think Chuck Liddell is extremely important when it comes to the UFC's popularity and it being sort of a a crossover sport into pop culture. I think he had a lot to do with that. And all things considered, so did Tito Ortiz. Ken Shamrock had a lot to do with that as well. Uh, I don't know. You hear you hear guys on these podcasts talk about their Mount Rushmore of MMA. You know, it's hard. It's hard to fill out now that I think about it. When we're talking about a Mount Rushmore, there's only supposed to be four, right? So, I mean, you don't think John Jones is in that category? Yeah, I think he. Well, look, if I if you said if he or put me on the spot, you give me. 15 seconds, 30 seconds at tops, what's your Mount Rushmore? So I got to name four fighters. I'm going 
this is the way I'm going, and I know people would would debate this, but I'm going John Jones. I'm going Demetrius Johnson. I'm going Anderson Silva. <laughs> and probably and just because of his his importance with how the sport started and to where it is today i would say hoist gracie and it's hard for me to not say george st pierre but so those would be my four i almost think you'd have to say just gracie because i think just the gracies I, in general well that but if you think about like being a household name i bet you most people can't tell you who is who when it comes to the Gracies? Well, Hoist is the most famous when it comes to actually fighting MMA. You know? Yeah. That's tough, man. But it, it also, like, it's hard for me to leave Chuck Liddell off of that list, man. It just is. Just because I think he was, he was, just, he was a rock star. Like, he was a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but, it, that, but that's the thing. His moment didn't last that long. It was a very quick moment, but when it was, when he was hot, you know, when he was, when he was a thing, I mean, he was the thing of the moment for MMA and the UFC. Right. Um, It just didn't last as long. You know, John Jones has been fighting. Fuck. When did he enter the UFC? 2010. Let me look. Has it only been 10 years? Let me see. I know I say only, but he's only like what? 31? 32. He's 32. Yeah. So he would have been 22 when he entered? I thought he was... How old was he when he won the title? Because he was the youngest so, t- He was the youngest title holder at that, in that he division. He was only like 22. So he entered the UFC in 2008. Okay, so 12 years. So that makes sense. So like he's had this long window of time where he's just been at the top. You know, Demetrius Johnson was there for a long time. George St. Pierre, long time. Anderson Silva, long time. Liddell's didn't last that long, yeah. you know? Unfortunately, you're saying he, he made more of an impact impact with it when he had it made a huge impact in a short amount of time. Right. You know, the popularity just soared in a short amount of time. Kind of, honestly, kind of like Connor. Yeah. You know, I think Connor's uh, as far as his accolades, he's accomplished a little bit more, you know, obviously, monetarily speaking, and just worldwide popularity. Now, he's accomplished way more than Chuck did. But um when we're talking about window of time and just the rise, it could be compared. Yeah, and um, you also have the fact that MMA is a lot bigger in households now than it was when Chuck, oh, you yeah. know, when Chuck was doing it also. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the fact that you can just go to a bar and see it up on TVs at a bar is huge. It's like any other sport now. You yeah. Know? But. Well, let me ask you this. As far as the uh, the fights coming up, the so did you know that they're doing like four fights in a row in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island? Um, they're yes. doing they're doing three fight nights and the Usman and Burns card. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought they were just doing this for like one fight, like one pay per view. No. So we've got there has and, to be, and, and they're all like within a week and a half of each other, two weeks of each other. Yeah. Well, there has to be a clear financial gain for the UFC to be doing it there, as opposed to the Apex. Um, I, you know, well, the la- the last fight before, uh, before Abu Dhabi is at the is at Apex. That's the, is that the Hooker and, 
Poirier. Poirier fight. I think yeah. that's the last fight before Fight Island. Yeah. Have you seen Dana White on any of these shows defending the whole fighter pay argument? Uh-uh. So he was on um, First Take, and I believe it was Dominique Foxworth. God, it was – I only saw highlights of it. I didn't see the whole clip, but I believe it was Dominique Foxworth was on there with Kellerman, and he was challenging – yeah, it was Foxworth. So he was challenging Dana White on, you know – uh, fighter pay and why his arguments about you know there's a there's a pandemic going on and i'm i haven't laid off anyone and he was kind of like he's going back and forth i'm like well that still doesn't change the fact that people are underpaid and we're not talking about now we're talking about in the history of fighting right. why are they getting paid so little i thought it was very interesting because you know foxworth he used to be a part of the uh I'm going to say the Players Association in the NFL. Let me let me double check on this. But so I mean, when it comes to athletes getting paid, he's kind of got he has good experience on this. So he was raising some good arguments. But even the NFL Players Association, yeah. So he's been working with them for a long time now. But he went into that conversation not knowing what fighters get paid. Imagine if he actually did know. Right. Like when I brought up how much Woodley got paid to fight Burns and. Um, I also, man, I'm I'm really sick of Dana shitting on the fighters after their fights. Did you hear what he said about Curtis Blades? Uh, something about him being stupid or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he was talking trash, and he's an idiot because he didn't back it up. And yeah, this this does not happen in any other sport. And I know that's what makes MMA and the UFC unique and fun. And it's what makes them different and separates them from everyone else. But man. I just feel a lot of it. I mean, I just, it's very self-righteous to me for you to go out and talk about the number three ranked guy like that. He just put on a five round, five round fight. He dominated the fight. Yeah. He didn't finish the fight with a finish on the feet, but he dominated the fight. He broke the UFC heavyweight takedown record and you're still finding reasons to shit on him afterwards. Well, it's interesting too, because that's how you, it's how you sell fights is by talking shit. Right. And, and he's never had a problem with that up till now. So now and, he didn't back it up. And so have, now have you heard? Sucked. Have you heard Dana White mouthing Conor McGregor for not backing up himself? I don't think you have. No, no. Well, I mean, look, Curtis Blades isn't bringing the. I I get it, but still, it's it, there's it's no different. You should you shouldn't be shitting on any of your fighters. I agree. I agree. And he's he's become notorious for doing that. And I just I I don't know. I don't know if there's ever going to be a time where I agree with that, you know, but we'll see. The The only, the only thing, and I still don't necessarily think I agree with it because I don't think it's his place to do it. But when it comes to say like John Jones outside of the octagon and stuff like that, I can see a little bit more about if he wants, if he wants to talk shit. But when it comes to actually their performance in the, in the octagon, I don't think he has a right or a reason because what what did he get out of that? Nothing. Well, again, it's self-serving. You know, I think it's, he's, look, again, it's a different sport. It's a completely different thing. Uh, you know, I brought this up one of the last few shows. Name me a sport where the commissioner goes out in front of the media and every other word's fuck. Right. He's calling people, he's calling members of the media idiots and calling them jackasses and calling other promoters of other sports, calling them, you know, dipshits or whatever he says. Like, 
you're never going to be able to make the comparison. It's the only time it happens. So like, it's a lot of self-serving bullshit, but it's part of what has made him popular and made the sport popular. So I can't completely hate it. I don't agree with it. I just think there's a, there's a, there's a way to do it in a way where he doesn't necessarily have to be, to me, it just sounds again, like it's self-serving and it's just being negative to be negative. He wasn't, wasn't criticizing Curtis Blades in a very sort of in an analytical sense, right? He's just shitting on him, you know. Yeah, he's, and I think he's he's showing his own ego, but he's also proving the theory that he doesn't respect the fighters like he should, and that's yeah. where the money comes into play too. That's what people look at. So he's just he's just pushing that in the media to people, that, right? You know, they're already complaining because the fighters aren't getting paid enough, and now you're showing that you don't respect your fighters. So it's just going to cause more backlash on you. Yeah, it's a it's a sport. Sports is a corrupt business. It's not going to change just because we're talking about guys who get in there and put their put their personal well-being on the line and sacrifice make sacrifice, you know. It's not going to change the fact that it's still a sport, it's still a business. Right. And it's it's going to be run by shady corrupt people. Um speaking of well, not shitty, shitty people and people we should shit on as a society. Whoever the person is that put the noose in Bubba Wallace's garage. Yeah. I don't know shit about NASCAR. I don't know shit about how it works. But whoever did that, we should all shit on them. We should pin them down and we should all take turns shitting on their face, whoever the so, fuck they are. So do we... I, I dug into this a little bit earlier, but the main thing that I've seen was that NASCAR has made a statement that when they find out who did this, that person is going to be banned for life. Do we know if this is an, like, do we know who, who this could potentially could be? Is it another driver or? I think, I think your first impression would be, it would probably be someone from the team, one of the teams of the other drivers. So someone right. from the crew or, Right. But did you see they, they all kind of in solidarity walked his car to the front of the you see that video? Uh-uh. So like all of the other drivers, all of their crew walked side by side on each side of Bubba Wallace's car and he like went to the front of the pack and he's like started crying, very emotional and yeah, a bunch of people have come out, like Richard Petty came out and said there's no place for this in NASCAR. Well listen. I don't know if NASCAR's known for being the most um culturally diverse right. fucking sport right again i don't know much about it so it, it prompted me to look up well to be honest with you i didn't know bubba wallace was african-american i had no idea so and again it's just because it's nascar i don't know shit about it i've never bothered to look up who the drivers are or anything like that but i did look up just how many african-american drivers there have been and I was actually surprised to see there have been, now again, not a lot by any means, but there have been a few. If I if I asked you what year do you think it was that the first African-American to start a NASCAR race was, what, what year would you guess? I don't even know that I could because just like Take you said, I don't, I don't know anything about NASCAR. I don't even know when NASCAR started. Guess a, guess, just guess a decade. I'll give you, I'll give you a 60-year window from now – Going back 60 years. Guess a decade that you think it happened. Let's say late 80s. See, now that's what I would have guessed. 1961. Oh, really? 
That's crazy to me. Wow. To even think that an African-American gentleman would dare even get into that stupid sport. And just with all of the, it's crazy. Uh, his name was Wendell Scott. It's the first African-American to start a NASCAR race when he took the green flag on March 4th, 1961 in South Carolina. Wow. But he had engine problems that day and did not finish. Not only was Scott the first and most prolific of all African-Americans in the sport, but also the most successful. He went on to start a total of 495 races in NASCAR's top series from 1961 through 1973. On December 1st, 1963, he took the checkered flag at Speedway Park in Jacksonville, Florida, the first and only African-American to have a NASCAR win until his record was broken in 2013. So I would have never in a million years guessed that it goes back that far. Uh-uh. But Bubba Wallace, the gentleman we were talking about, or the gentleman in question, uh, in early 2018, Bubba Wallace became the first African-American to race in the Daytona 500 since Scott in 1969. At the same time, he became the first full-time African-American driver in the top NASCAR series since 1971. His second-place finish at Daytona was the highest finish ever by an African-American in the Daytona 500, and it was the highest finish by an African-American in a NASCAR top series in 47 years. It's cra- I, again, it's crazy to go think that it goes back that far, but also just... Who is it? Was it Bubba Wallace that unveiled the police lives matter car did you see that i, I think so yeah it was him so, that yeah. did it yeah yeah i didn't see what the reaction was to that i saw for the most part but this is just me on twitter positive reaction but i think it was from people outside of the sport gotcha. more so than people inside of the sport right um again this is a sport that i don't know shit about i could name you Two other people, Tony Stewart, and the only reason I know his name because he's the guy that ran over the person in that go-kart series he was doing or whatever. It was all over center. I mean, it was all over. Like, he was going to get tried for like criminal okay. charges brought against him. Is that who it was? I don't I don't know, but I'm, I'm surprised. If you can only name, like, two, I'm surprised that you didn't name, like, the two biggest names of NASCAR ever. Well, no, the other one is Dale Earnhardt Jr. And then his dad, obviously, but... <laughs> And Jeff Those Gordon. Those are the only ones. Oh, Jeff Gordon. Yeah, yeah. He was huge when I was a kid. Yeah. But that's it. And I'll be honest, the only reason I even knew who Dale Earnhardt was is because, again, he fucking died. You know, and that's I didn't know who he was before that, really. I, right. it's, it's just a sport I know nothing about. It's just not for me. I didn't grow up watching it. I didn't, I didn't even have a single friend that watched it. So it's just not – and it's not something that I would try to even get into. It just I, – I have no interest – and watching cars going around a track. It just does not, doesn't do it for me. I get it. Yet, um, yet again, we are talking shit about things that we d- sh- probably shouldn't be talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm not talking shit. <laughs> okay, I mean, we're talking about things that we shouldn't be talking about because we don't know shit about it. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know anything about the sport. I do know that I support Bubba Wallace 100%. Yes. Um, and I do not support whoever fucking put a noose in his garage and I want them to be attacked by tigers. Essentially. I fucked them. Fuck that guy or guys, plural or whoever did it. Did you see, um, Joel Schumacher died? I did not. I heard until you told me today. So let me, 
Do you know any? Let me ask you. Do you know any movies that Joel Schumacher directed? Not off the top of my head. No. You big Batman. I know fan? the name. Eh. So, so he did Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Okay. Two movies that I do not like. But let me just name you a couple because he did he did do some really good movies. So let me just name you some of my favorites. And I want to know if you've seen them. Okay. Odds are you haven't because. Well. So the Lost Boys. I have seen that, but it's been a very long time. Like it? Yes. Good fun movie from the 80s. Um, so shortly after The Lost Boys, he did Flatliners. Never you know heard what of that. It. Is. Uh-uh. So go watch Flatliners. It has Kevin Bacon, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, um, but they're, they're medical students who experience near-death, or they go through these near-death experiences. Really good movie. But one that I think, so have you seen Falling Down? Michael no. Douglas? No. Dude, you got to go see Falling Down. I can't believe. When we're done, look up the trailer to Falling Down. Watch the trailer to Falling Down. Okay. Now, you might go, it makes so much sense that Patrick likes this movie because he's a <laughs> fucking psycho. But I think you like it. But one of my favorite movies that he did, and a lot of people forget that he even did it. Have you ever seen A Time to Kill? No. What do you do? What what would you say you do? <laughs> Other than avoid awesome movies and awesome music, what what would you say you do? That's mainly all I do is just try to avoid the good things in life. That's it. I, you got to stop doing that. So a time to kill. <laughs> now a time to kill is a it's a bummer of a movie. It's not. I mean, it ends. It has a happy ending, but it's a very well. Honestly, all the things that are going on today in this world with racial injustice and all this stuff. A Time to Kill has uh, Matthew McConaughey, Samuel L. Jackson, Kevin Spacey, uh, Sandra Bullock. But essentially, Samuel L. Jackson has a daughter. It's, it takes place in, in the South. And um, Samuel L. Jackson has a daughter, a very young daughter, who gets raped and nearly beaten to death by two rednecks, you know, essentially. And he kills both of the guys when they're on their way to get arraigned in court. So Matthew McConaughey plays the lawyer who represents them or is his defense lawyer. Um, Kevin Spacey plays the prosecuting attorney. So it's about, you know, Kevin McConaughey sort of set out to show that a black man can get a fair trial because the whole thing was there's no way he gets a fair trial here, given what's going on. So Keeper Sutherland plays the a brother of one of the guys that was killed. So they kind of reignite or reunite the KKK and it's, all these racial... T- it's, it's a fucking heavy movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's a fucking fantastic movie. It's made grown men cry. I've come close. It's a good... It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a really good movie, man. Um, so anyway, those are a couple of my favorite Joel Schumacher movies, and of course you have not seen any of them. I'm willing to bet of the ones that he has done, I, I can guess that you've seen. Have you seen the movie 8mm? Nicholas Cage. I don't know. That sounds I'm familiar. About I'm worried about you. I'm sorry. I thought you would have seen that one. He did Fast and the Furious 12. You saw that, right? <laughs> no, I didn't see that one actually. So he did in 2000. It's been, God, it's been since 2011. He did a movie called Trespass with Nicholas Cage and Nicole Kidman. I never saw it, but I remember seeing the previews the trailer for it and being like, 
kind of want to see that. And I remember someone or a couple people telling me it was a good movie, and I just haven't brought myself to watch it yet. But that said, you could go either way on Nicolas Cage movies, right? Yes, they're either sure. they're either fun or they're just absolutely horrible. Yeah, I think he's um, I think he's uh, pretty much willing to take anything. Uh, I don't think he says no often, like you do, to things that are fun and good. Did you uh, did you watch any of Greek Fire playing on Saturday? I didn't. I seen some of the highlights afterwards, but I didn't get to watch it. Yeah, I, I was going to, and then I got I was watching the fights and just got caught up doing other stuff. And I'm gonna go back and watch it though. I'm curious. From what I've seen, it was it was a good time and. A success, but I mean, I really hope that they got a shitload of streams. I ho- I hope that it was a, a big success. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to send you something. So I asked you on the last podcast if you're a Deftones fan, and you said no, not really. And then you made the mistake of saying you listen to White Pony, but didn't really. Well, how did you so eloquently put it? I just told you that it now watch what you it, say. D- it didn't move me like you say it moves you. Like, it, I didn't have an effect on me, I guess. Okay. And then you asked me, so what are some other albums I should listen to? And I said, there's no hope for you, and I didn't respond after that. Well, I, I, mean? I, actually, <laughs> I asked you if there's any certain songs on any certain albums that I should listen to that you think might intrigue me. And I'm not saying I, I can't. I'm, I, not, I'm not telling you that I hated the album. I'm just saying that it didn't. From what I listened to, it didn't give me that feeling. But I, I also, this might sound dumb, but I also feel like a musician would get a lot more out of the style of music. I think. Is this just going to no, be the rest of the podcast? No, Are you no. just going to get? No, no, no. So I, now I want to know what that means. Because you're saying you said, it's over you, your head? No. Okay. So why would a musician? I guess because of everything that's going on. Like, I've got a way to explain this in my head, but it's not where, it's not coming out right. It's not. It's not. You're confusing me. Um, so, like you, like you even said, that a lot of the bands that I listened to got a lot of influence from what the music that Deftones put out. And okay. I can see that. And that's why I'm saying so, like, I get like as a musician, I can see where they would get a lot of the influence from. Okay. But just because they got some influence from that band doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be in love with that band either. Yeah. I mean, you're just wrong. I mean, you should be in love okay. with Deftones. This okay. is the one exception you should make. Yes. Okay. Um, so, all right, we, we can, we can, that's fine. I, I, I'm willing to accept your answer. You basically said that I'm smarter than you and I like good music for a reason. And I'll take that. Now I'm going to send you a link. It's this, because in celebration of 20 years of white pony, there's this long sort of collection of videos and music put together for white pony. It's a lot of live stuff, music videos, so I want you to just try to watch some of it. Okay. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I want you to just watch it. Just, just find, find, 
find some time. <laughs> find the find the place in your heart that will give Deftones one more chance. Okay. Does otherwise my heart is broken. Does it? I mean, do, so like this is this is just like live videos and things like that. That's not like a commentary it's, type it's, of thing. It's explaining a, it's just a montage of okay. Deftones White Pony related stuff, okay. various live performances and. But you said that your favorite song on the record, White Pony, was Passenger, right? Yes. You know who that was singing on that? Yes. Now I'm not surprised that that's your favorite song. Okay. Who was it singing on it? Uh, Maynard. Okay. So are but you a Tool fan? Not, I mean, not really, either. Okay. So All if, right. that, if, that te- if that tells you anything... I, I, if I had to pick... I guess my second song that I liked on the album was uh, now the name's it's got the word maggot in it. What's the word? What's the song called? Pink maggot. That's it. Yeah. Back to school. Yes. So there are two versions of that song on the original version of the album. It was a seven minute long song that ended the record. And then the reissue, which is the white version of white pony. It was the back to school song that was actually like a single and had a like popular music video and all that good stuff. But um, anyway, so I'm going to make this a thing now. Um, Okay. We're going to do this once a show. Now this show, it's still going to be white pony because I want to send you that link and I want you to watch it next show. I'm going to give you, I'm going to say, Hey, do you know this band? And do you know this record? It's going to be called Patrick's education to Colt or Colt's education. Colt, I'll, I'll come up with a good title for so, the next show. Okay. So where is, where are these bands coming from? Are these bands that have had a massive impact on you in the past? My heart and soul. That's all <laughs> you need to know. All right. Okay. Well, it sounds to me like you just need to be ready to have a lot of dumbfounded looks. That's fine. Because if That's I, fine. if I know what the recent past has looked like, you're going to ask me, I'm going to say no, and then you're going to look at me like I'm stupid, and well, then you're you going to explain. But I like education, so I'm okay with that. Okay, good. If, and also, it's just going to help me bring joy into your life, because I feel like you just, I don't know what you do. <laughs> but I don't know what you do. So, on that note, I have to go feed my my nine months pregnant wife. She's blowing up my phone saying, wrap it up, I'm starving. All right, I'm good with that because I could eat also. We are out. <laughs>